Hey, have you applied to speak at Voice Summit yet? Applications are open until March 31st. So if you have something to say about voice, go to voicesummit.ai and click on apply to speak to be considered. Go ahead. What are you waiting for? Apply now. Inside Voice was recently interviewing live in person at a voice tech event called Project Voice in Tennessee. On this episode, you'll hear Nate Traylor talk about voice and healthcare and how to make things private and secure, Jerome Vonk talk about voice and government services for older adults, and Martine Lenz Fitzgerald discuss Project Zilver and how voice is helping older adults live a better life. So welcome back to Inside Voice. This is Carrie Roberts, your co-host. We are here at Project Voice and we are live. We are with Nate Traylor. Welcome, Nate, from Orbita. How are you? Thank you, Carrie. I'm very well. Nice to see you again. Yes, coming down from Boston. We're excited right. to have you here. So you did a talk today a lot on security. And how do you make sure things are private and secure? And how do patients know if things are private and secure? Yeah. Uh, so, one, we're in healthcare. So it's a particularly sensitive domain when it comes to privacy and security, um, both from the point of view of the kind of information that you might want to exchange with a voice assistant, but also just because of regulatory requirements. And in the U.S., it's HIPAA that sets the tone for how people think about these things. Um, voice, uh, the main concerns with voice are that, one, it's new, so there hasn't been a lot of thought up until recently put into how do you view voice assistance from the point of view of privacy and security. Um, and candidly, I think it's the case that a lot of the providers in, that are in this space, uh, the big guys from Amazon, Google, have sort of backed into an understanding of how important ensuring privacy and security of these new experiences is to consumers generally, but especially in healthcare. Um, the second thing is that it's an always-on, always-listening device. And the main concerns generally, not just in healthcare, around voice assistance have been, is it eavesdropping on me? Is it listening? What's it doing with the data once it has it? Um, and there are real legitimate concerns about this because we've all had this experience where your smart speaker wakes up when you didn't expect it to. And, uh, the, and even though you'll hear this from the big players, that the wake word, whatever you say to wake up the device, whether it's Hey Google or Hey Siri or Alexa, um, is, is the only thing it's really listening for out of the gate. And But once that wake word has been expressed, then it's listening for the next command, right? So if it's waking up on its own because of some ambient sound, is it picking up? other things that I might be saying unintentionally, for not for its ears, if you will. And so those are legitimate concerns because we know that that has happened. Um, a, a, another variation of the concern is that um, the big guys are, and have told you know, the, the, the world that they are using the, the audio that's coming across on these devices to tune the natural language recognition model, which is a way of saying that they need to make it work better so the way they do that is um, they listen to anonymized recordings of what people are saying to their devices, some subset of all the requests that come in, 
and they ensure that it's accurately recognizing you. So a human listens to it and says, well, what did Alexa think they were saying? And what were they actually saying? And can we tune and refine the machine learning so it doesn't make a mistake next time? That's happening. It's been happening for years, really for decades. That's how this technology works. But the fact, when that became public, that that was happening, it created a bit of an uproar. Uh, Amazon's listening to what we're saying and then humans are hearing what we're saying. Even though it was anonymous, you don't know who was saying it. The fact that there was people doing that created a stir. All this sort of comes to a head, right? And, um, and particularly in healthcare, there's legitimate concerns that an always-on, always-listening, voice-powered virtual assistant might be violating privacy and security cons- uh, uh, um, restrictions and requirements. So what's happening? Um, one is the big guys are making um, announcements and doing things that are going to make it... Uh, you know, a tighter ship, if you will, from a privacy and security point of view. Um, in the case of Amazon, they have put out a lot of information about how the individual users of these consumer devices like Amazon Echoes can take control of what's actually being shared, up to and including deleting their history, up to and including turning off that um review option where it might be possible that their spoken audio goes to a human for the the review process. Um, Likewise, Google and Siri, they've kind of backed into making sure that uh, they're doing the right things. Um, Amazon, among all of them, have gone one step further in the healthcare domain where they've introduced uh, a HIPAA eligible version of Alexa, which for healthcare systems and anybody in the space means that Amazon's willing to Um, ensure, of course, that the data is secure and private and encrypted and everything that's going up into the Amazon cloud and the Alexa environment, but also willing to sign an agreement, what's called a business associates agreement in the HIPAA vernacular that says we will commit to doing these things to ensure the privacy and security of data that's running through our system. And that was required, really required for many healthcare applications where clinical information is being exchanged. There's still a lot of work to do and a lot's unfolding even, you know, to this day, there's plenty more to, to do. If uh, a brand or a company is hiring an agency to build a skill that's for Alexa, does the fact that it's an Alexa skill make it more secure? It kind of includes the security things you're talking about, or does that agency need to have its own security measures when it's building skills? Um, well, it's helpful. <clears throat> it's helpful to have. Um, obviously the knowledge about how to properly secure a voice application. It's like any other digital application. If you build a mobile app, you want to make sure you test it for security um, loopholes. And and voice applications are not any different in that respect. What makes them different is um, how do you authenticate a user, right? So if Carrie's launching an app, you are launching an application, how do we know this person speaking is indeed Carrie? and not somebody else trying to spoof you. And uh, so authentication, are you who you say you are, um, is part of what needs to be implemented in any voice skill. And Amazon and all the other guys provide some capabilities in that area, but the expertise for how to do that, how to do it efficiently, multi-factor authentication, all those things, needs to be um, a discipline that an agency understands. And then, um, you know, syncing and connecting with a, a source of authorization. So they are who they say they are, we've authenticated them, but do they have the rights to access some feature or function in the 
Alexa skill or voice skill um, based on some authorization control. And that's another thing you have to figure out. So Amazon offers something called account linking, which allows you to link it with some backend system, which may say, all right, they're trying to access some medical record. Um, based on who they are, they can access this medical record, but not these other ones, or some subset of some source. And that, those two things, authentication and authorization, need to be built into the solution. Now, you and your company, Orbita, have been working with the Mayo Clinic. Can mm -hmm. you talk about what you've done with them and what have the results been? Yeah, I certainly can talk about what's public. Um, so we, we uh, helped them develop their initial foray into voice, which was a first aid skill that was published uh, initially to Amazon Alexa and then subsequently to Google Assistant and even in a chatbot form. And uh, we worked with them to help convert their existing digital content into a voice-ready form. It sounds mundane, but it's a, it's a very important thing to solve, and not just for the Mayo Clinic, but anybody who's trying to get into voice, if they have an existing digital uh, experience, like a website or mobile app with content, and they want to take that content, clinically vetted, healthcare-related content, and convert it into voice-ready form, it's a process. It requires technology. It requires curation. It requires you know medical expertise and vetting, because you don't just take a full, two pages of text that describe the symptoms of diabetes and put it into an Alexa scale. It's not that simple. Um, and nor do you just say I'm going to just ingest this and let the AI engine figure out how to serve it up into a, a voice application. It requires a clinically reviewed process. So um, that's a bulk of what we've been doing with the Mayo Clinic since we first engaged is to help them through that process. And so can you share with us any results? I mean, are people, do you find that people are using the voice application more to access that information? Do they find it helpful? Is there anything you can share with yeah, us? Yeah, I, I do think they find it helpful. Um, it's an award-winning voice skill. The Mayo won an award, which uh, they're very proud of. Um, and, uh, but, you know, they're also very pragmatic about it. It's a, an, it's a voice application for answering questions about first aid. How do I treat a sunburn? What do I do if I get a spider bite? So it's not like, um, I'll pick one, it's not like the Jeopardy game where you're going to play it every day or it's got this addictive quality to it. It's, a, it's a, an experiment in delivering voice uh, content, healthcare content into a voice-first world. And um, the other thing that the Amazon, or the, excuse me, the Mayo team has done is they've taken that same sort of voice-first, voice-ready content and published it out to Amazon as what's called first-party content. So you can ask Alexa questions, and, and depending on the question, it'll come back and say, well, according to the Mayo Clinic, the answer to your question is this, right? Um, so uh, there's a multi-step process. Um, the, from the Mayo Clinic, the measure of success is, is their clinically vetted high-value content uh, available through this next-generation digital channel of voice? And uh, I'm happy to say with the work that they've done, with our help, it is. And uh, there's a lot more to do even there, not just uh, with what Mayo has, because they have literally mountains of content but a lot of other organizations that we're working with are keen to do this as well. Do you find that since voice has been around now for a few years, it's, it's growing bigger, do you find that a lot more people in the medical space are more open to using voice and understand what it is, or is that still a struggle? Um, it depends on who you're talking with. Uh, I'll say that the clinicians, the doctors at these major systems, they're all over it. 
And in fact, um, it's been almost a problem for some of these systems that, you know, the, the CIOs at major healthcare systems have almost had to say, hold on, hold on. We understand that you want an Alexa device in the ambulance, but we got to think this through, right? What are the security implications? How do we do data integration? How is it part of our larger digital strategy? So um, the interest is very, very high. And in those organizations where the clinicians, the doctors have a lot of power, there are things happening and a lot of pilots. But um, we're also being pretty sensitive to the CIOs at these and, and CTOs at these major systems to recognize that you kind of have to crawl before you walk and run. And uh, so we're working very collaboratively um, to making sure that we've checked the right boxes on the security and privacy side. We've checked the right boxes on an enterprise scalability size. Um, we don't, we're, it's not in our interest to help them roll out a whole bunch of point solutions that aren't really secure, aren't really integrated with the rest of their digital infrastructure. So we're, we're an enterprise uh, solution provider, and so we're trying to be very thoughtful on that front. And why, personally, did you get more into the healthcare space with Invoice? Okay. Yeah, I'll stop nerding out for a minute here. <laughs> no, um, I think, you know, I ask this question a lot. I think it's very yeah. fascinating to see where people have come from and, and what gravitates them to a particular section of the industry. Yeah, yeah. Well, so the backstory is uh, Orbit's been around for not quite five years. Um, when we started the company, we actually had a different business, a different area of focus. We're technology guys, first and foremost. And uh, even though we said on day one, um, we want to go after high value problems, important problems. We want to fall in love with the problem before we fall in love with our cool technology. Um, what happened is that we built a pretty compelling platform for digital health. And um, the Amazon technology and, and other technologies for voice were really starting to make their way into the consumer world. And you know, among the leadership team at Orbita, we had gone out and bought these devices, right? And my personal experience was taking that uh, an Amazon Echo first version into um, a friend of my parents, a vision impaired guy named Arthur, and saying, Arthur, I want you to just try this for two weeks and let me know how it goes. After two weeks, I came back to see him and he said, this has changed my life. And uh, it was an epiphany, really, because I thought, this is real. This has the potential to transform people's lives. How do we make this scale? And so that's how we got into what we're doing. That's the passion that drives what we're doing. And uh, the stories that come from it are, you know, just very satisfying. Yeah, I, I think that's something that I've been hearing a lot at this conference that I don't think people talk about enough is the actual user experience yeah. and how it's changing their lives, whether it's making them healthier, less lonely, yeah. um, feel like they can do more things on their own. And I right. think that's really where voice is helping so much. Yeah, and some of the some of the use cases uh, are kind of mundane, right? Um, the fact that this guy, Arthur, um, who I lent my Echo to, could play music whenever he wanted just for the power of his voice. It's not a particularly, you know, that's pretty basic now, right? It's version one of the voice assistants. Uh, check, check the weather. Um, and essentially have a companion. Even though, you know, and he would say this, and we've heard that from other people, I know it's a virtual assistant, but I think of it like a companion. Um, 
you know, loneliness and isolation, particularly in the elder community, is a big, big problem. It is a real financial burden on our healthcare system, frankly. In the, you know, it was a Health and Human Services or CMS, I can't remember which uh, government acronym did this study, but they said it's a, almost a $7 billion problem, isolation and loneliness annually to the U.S. healthcare system. So, there, you know, it's a real problem, a financial problem, but it's also a real human problem. Um, and uh, one that I think is well addressed, not solved, but well addressed by these virtual assistants. I love that. Where yeah. can people learn more? So we are at Orbita.ai. That's Orbita, that's like orbital without the L. And uh, up on our website, you'll find all kinds of resources about our products and solutions and webinars and white papers. Uh, if you have any curiosity about applications of voice and healthcare, come to Orbita.ai. Perfect. Thank you so much, Nate. Thank you, Carrie. Welcome back to Inside Voice. We are at Project Voice Live, and I'm here with Jeroen, who works with Project Zilver as well as the Dutch government. So welcome. Hi, Carrie. Thanks for having me. So I want to start off by saying I just want to thank you because you are always the first one to like like our podcast posts, comment. You've contributed. You are just constantly being so supportive of what we do on the podcast and at Voice Summit. So I want to thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I, I like it. I like the content very much. It, it also helps me with my with my work. I'm doing so that's uh, it's yeah we all have to help each other yes because voice is very young mm -hmm. we're not uh, at the end of the first stage I think it's not mature enough to, to yeah we, we have to grow each other yes and so also. I just yeah I want to give a shout out to you because I appreciate that and I notice that all the time so okay. you work for the Dutch government and you work with Project Zelva as we were saying before we had Martin on as well um, talk a little bit about the work that you're doing with the Dutch government when it comes to voice and how they started to get interested in even using voice yeah I work at Novum that's the innovation lab of the SVB the public governmental agency that provides social security coverage in the Netherlands like a child uh, benefit and elderly pension. And what we do, we solve livelihood challenges on an innovative way, but we also explore new technologies. And one of the technologies I explored was voice because the Google Assistant uh, get uh, launched in 2018. And before that, it was only available in English, but our customers talk Dutch. We have 400,000 customers outside the Netherlands, but most of them also talk Dutch. Uh, and then I went to Google, uh, YouTube, I made my own uh, uh, Google action with Dialogflow, but and then I thought, okay, what, what, I'm go, what, I'm, uh, what can I do? So I searched on the internet, who is working on it, and I found Martin, and had a coffee with him, so I had the same dream, how can we uh, use voice technology to help older adults in the used, we said elderly, but you can't say elderly. Thanks to Heidi Kubertson, we know you have to say older adults. Yes. And we thought, okay, but if everybody has a smart speaker in their home and if they will fall, they can ask for help. But you don't want to give people a smart speaker only when they fall. You want to add convenience in their daily life. And one of the things convenient in their life will be, okay, when do I get my elderly pension? That's the question. Okay, when do I get my money? Or how can I apply for it? So that's why we started it with, uh, with Project Silver. Uh, but Martin already told it. And after a side project of, of Project Silver is, uh, an, uh, is a voice bot 
and a Google Action voice application that can handle uh, questions about elderly pension. Uh, and I talked about it here at uh, Product Voice uh, because what, what, he, what we found out is that a lot of people like the, uh, the technology, but they said to us, okay, but how do I have to know? I have to, I have to say talk to, in this case, talk to SVB because I don't know who will give me the answer. I just want to ask my question. So that's about the discoverability, but also, okay, the, 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 the Dutch government is, is a little bit complex because how do you know where you can get your answer? So that's why we're now working on the, uh, the featured snippets and speakable snippets, the markup. And we're now uh, putting in uh, a working group together with the, the biggest Dutch uh, governments, like uh, the SVB, but also the, the, the Chamber of Commerce and the, the statistics uh, uh, website. And we're now working together to make the code ready to, to be implemented. Then uh, w w when you have a smart speaker that talks Dutch, because in the Netherlands we only have Google Assistant, we don't have Amazon Alexa yet. We hope she will learn Dutch, but we don't know <laughs> because uh, voice technology is very complicated to make in Dutch. And uh, after that, we, yeah, people can ask questions like, how can I apply for elderly pension? Then you get the answer from the from the website from the SVB, and after that, in the future, you could say, okay, do, do you want to apply for it now? And then you can invoke the the voice application. And the other step is okay, but how do we really know you are really the person that can apply for elderly pension? Then you have to identify yourself with your with your voice. And I'm doing a project that uh, right now, uh, starting with the, the normal telephone, the landline, and identifying people through their voice. And after that, you can use it also on the website. So you don't have to remember your governmental identity, your uh, username and your password, just use your voice. And, after, and, and the step after that will be, could be your voice assistant. Are you the sole person that is doing that kind of developmental security stuff? Or is there a team that's working on that? Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it with, with my team. Yeah. And I'm getting around with people who are already uh, want to use these kind of technologies. So finding the right people and then finding the right solution and implement it together. So is the was the Dutch government like they were ready for this, they were open to it, let's do it? Or did someone like yourself have to educate them or convince them on how this would be helpful? Because usually, you know, a lot of times governments can be challenging to work with and take time and obviously security is a big issue. So yeah. how did that kind of come about for them? Uh, th th that's the advantage for, by working in an innovation lab. You have the freedom and the flexibility to just explore technologies because we're not working in the in the main mother systems of the SVB. We're working with separate systems, our own system. Uh, and so, so, so when we break something, we don't break the, 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 the big system. And, and that's give, that gives us a lot of flexibility but also the flexibility to explore new technologies. And when it works, yeah, then you got on stage and you, you tell everybody, well, this works. So we also had a voice meeting with 100 innovative civil servants. And I told them, okay, this is uh, what we did. This is the solution. And this is the first step we have to do. And a lot of people said, okay, let's do it. Because, yeah, you, you could say, okay, do you have numbers? How many smart speakers there are in the Netherlands? No, not yet. 
But, but like uh, Brett uh, showed us to, uh, to, this morning, if you have a smart speaker, it's not used every day. It's m m almost 50% of, uh, of, of the smart speaker used every day. Okay, but if you have a smart speaker, is that the solution? Well, you have also the application on your smartphone. So yeah, that's a, it's, it's pretty different. Interesting. Um, so you were saying earlier, landline. Yeah. In the Netherlands, are people still using landlines? Because in the U.S., pretty much nobody has them. Even even the older adult is having is using their cell phones primarily. Yeah, the cell phones, but 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 a normal telephone line. It's mm -hmm. not like uh, like using a chatbot or something. It's just using your telephone to talk to other real people. And if you, if you're now calling to the government, and the government wants to make sure who you are, they will ask your date of birth, your social security number. Uh, the last three numbers of your banking account, but everything is, you, you, you can buy this kind of data. You can look it up. When you get one letter from the government, all the data is in there. So it's not so secure, <laughs> mm. but there's no alter alternative. And we're now exploring with new, with new technologies, biometrics, voice biometrics. There are a lot of startups, a lot of big companies also here in Project Voice, a lot of companies working on it. So yeah. Which, we're going to try it, and if it works, we're going, to, we're going to scale it up. If it doesn't work, we learned a lot, and then we find another solution. Yeah. And well, that's yeah. the flexibility of working in an innovation yeah, lab. Yeah, that's great. Nobody's stopping you. Yeah, well, you, you, yeah, you can't be stupid. You can't, mm -hmm. like, make the new iPhone, because that's too expensive. But, okay, what can we do with an iPhone, or what can we do with a smart speaker? So the Innovation Lab is part of the government? That's a, a section that they have? Yes, it's part of, the, of the company where I work. We are with six people and we hire four external people to keep, uh, keep us fresh and uh, keeps up, up with, uh, with new technologies and new kind of way of work. Uh, we work with design thinking, lean startup. Uh, so yeah, it's a completely different world for, the, for, for me also but also for, for, for the rest of the government. So when you're talking about security, and especially, with, again, with the government stuff, which is so personal, similar to financial stuff, um, is our voice similar to our fingerprint where everybody's voice is that different that it can be recognized as a different person? Yeah, it, it's, it's even more advanced because your fingerprint will lose. You, you, you will lose your fingerprint in, during your life. It will change. Your voice also changes, but you have uh, thousands of unique characters in your voice. So I thought, okay, but you have a lot of uh, voice uh, impersonators, in, in, uh, in mm -hmm. and uh, so, like in in the Holland, you, you have a famous radio DJ who is making uh, phone calls, like a famous uh, famous football player. Well, the system will still know you are the famous DJ and not the famous football player. And even if you're getting a, a little bit of cold, uh, you, your voice is not so good, the system will know that you are really the person. That's incredible. How is yeah. it doing that? How does it know? Can you talk about any of the, the back-end stuff or the technology of how it does that? A, a, a different kind of startups use different kind of uh, machine learning algorithms and deep learning algorithms. And I don't know exactly how it works, but yeah, if it works, it works. <laughs> and, I like that. Yeah. yeah. And, and But we're not focusing on only one uh, company. We're exploring with multiple companies because security, ha yeah, it has to be safe. 
and also wh where do you store the data? How do you store the data? Uh, like a voice print. What is a voice print? We have to find out. And is the voice print only used for the matching process or, or also during the phone call? Because when you identify yourself with a phone call, you can give your, the telephone to somebody else. And then somebody else can maybe change your banking account number. But you, you can also use it during the call. And if somebody, something changed, the phone operator will, will, will see on the, on the screen, hey, something changed. This is not the right person. So it's more secure for the government, but also more secure for the, for the people who are calling. You know, so what about, I remember I talked to somebody in security, uh, you know, if somebody records your voice, you know, in an odd situation, right? Somebody's doing that maliciously, would that work or how do you protect from that? The, the machine learning algorithms will detect that you are not the live real person, but it's in a recorded uh, thing or a, like a synthetic stuff. Like you, you have these deep fake videos, but you also have the deep fake analysis programs that see, okay, this is deep fake. So the, there are already uh, new technologies working on the security way. That is so cool. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, that's a very exciting. Yeah, but we, we are doing experiments with it. Yeah. And when it works, okay, it works. And when it doesn't work, okay. Try again, try yeah. something else. And then we have to prepare for failure in the beginning because we begin with the hardest drama. How can, how can the technology be safe? What is safe? I'm not looking at, at myself. I'm working together with other uh, parts of the Dutch government, mm -hmm. with the specialists, and they will look at the, uh, at the technology. Is it safe enough for us? Also, is it safe enough to storage it like this or like that? Or So what is your background? How did you get into voice? Were you in technology for a while and kind of migrated into this? Yeah, uh, I'm working uh, most of my life with helping people, new technologies, computers, helping people with computer problems, uh, uh, worked as a technical technical web editor, uh, learned a lot about user experience, uh, web accessibility, also the web accessibility guidelines, inclusive design. Well, if you say voice, yeah, that, that's the uh, most inclusive part what you can have because everybody can talk. They don't have to learn swipe or something. They, they just can can talk to speakers and they get the answers. And when you see the reactions of people, it's it's mar it's marvelous. Yeah. So so wonderful to see. And it, it helps, you know, all of us. We're all going to be at that older adult point in our life to be able to age in place much better, yeah. you know, and, and feel more self-sufficient, feel more confident, which is, you know, I said this to someone else in an interview we did today. I mean, that's my favorite part. Yeah. That's a huge component of yeah, it. We say older adults can live their life happier and longer independently. Yes. Thanks to voice technology. Uh, during our practical test with Project Silver, there was a gentleman in the 80s, uh, like 87 years old, and he told me, well, I, uh, during the two weeks of the practical test, I bought smart plugs because I have uh, lamps with switches on the floor, and then I have to bend over or uh, uh, use my feet to operate it. But he said, I'm, I'm not feeling that secure. I think I will fall. Now I bought smart plugs and I'm sitting in my chair and I say, okay, turn the lights off and then he can use his energy to stand up and go to bed safely. And he, he said, I'm so much more happy because normally I, 
I, I, th I thought, okay, I have to go to bed. Oh, all the lights. Oh, no. Maybe I will fall. That doesn't happen anymore. So this simple technology, the smart plug like, like 10, 10 euros, you, you, you can buy them from 10 euros. So it's, 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 not, it's not so expensive. And it gains a lot of more security and independently in your daily life. I love that. And it helps with a lot of convenience. Yeah. yeah. Where can people learn more about what you're doing and connect with you? Uh, our website is novum.nu. It's also available in English. We use a Google Translate API with it, so sometimes it's a little bit buggy, but you manage. And uh, for Product Silver, productsilver.com will be launched, I think, in about two weeks, also with our uh, research report, also in, available in English. So and it, if you have any questions, just go to the website, reach us out, find me on LinkedIn. So that's it. Perfect. Thank you so much, Jeroen. So wonderful to connect in person as yeah. well. Thank you, Kerry, for having me. We are back with Inside Voice. This is Carrie Roberts, your host. And today I have Martin from Project Silver. Welcome, Martin. Hey there. I love it. So uh, we connected on Twitter right before, mm -hmm. and you told me to find you because you're the guy with the bow tie. <laughs> yes, I, I love did. it. <laughs> what is the, what's the reason for the bow tie? Is that like, that's your signature look? Tell me well, about it. Well, practically it, it is. So I, a while back, I was in New York, in mm -hmm. Manhattan. I was uh, doing, running my or emerging my fourth medium. I was an evangelist and a founder of Layer, an augmented reality platform. Mm -hmm. And there in Manhattan, in New York, I needed to make sure that people saw me. I need to have something, because it was so harsh. So, so you know, you need to yeah. be very good, very special, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm like thinking, how can I do something? How can I, because I'm a Dutch guy, but that's not that special. So I'm like, oh, okay, I like clothes, I like fashion, I like to stand out, so I'll do bow ties. That kind of fits what I do. So for two weeks, every morning, with the, the iPad or another mirror in the bathroom, I learned, taught myself how to do that. And what's nice about it, on one hand, it was a very tactical move, if you will, but it turned out to be so me. So now I have so many bow ties. It's even bad, worse in the sense that I'm starting to make my own as a hobby. I love it. <laughs> I think it's great. I think it, it's it's really about, I'm all about brand. So being yes. yourself and yeah. pulling yourself out is fabulous. So tell us about Project Silver mm -hmm. and what it does. So Project Silver started out a little over two years ago. I was starting out in Holland with getting into voice, figuring out who's who, who's, who's doing what. And I was talking to Tim. Tim was the guy at Google there who was launching it in the nor Northern Europe. So, so basically the line from Holland and Belgium all the way up, he was figuring out how the Google Assistant and the speakers was going to launch and running that. And within a couple minutes, we started talking about the older adults and what to do with that. Because on one hand, we saw the humongous opportunity of this smart speaker, cheap, Democratic, uh, this this technology being democratizing, or yeah, this new channel, this access for elderly to technology, and how that can be easier, and so many problems that they now have might be alleviated by that. So yeah, a, a couple a week later, I sent him the deck for Project Silver. Like, what if we bring together Google, some other companies, and really start doing it? And this, this this bubbled along for a little bit, and then at some point I met Jeroen Vonk from the government in Holland. He was he's at the the innovation for the, for the the uh, pension and all that kind of stuff that the government does. And he's like, yeah, well, I have a place. Let's do it. So then I got the government involved. I got the Dutch AARP involved. I got an insurer involved, and then. 
there we really saw that what bound us together was the purpose of how can we, or to figure out how can we use voice technology to, to uplift the lives of older adults. And because that was so intrinsic for everybody, it wasn't a commercial angle or anything, we really were able to do it well. And we started out with the largest research uh, because we didn't know what path we were going to take. We, we just had this question, like, how can we do this? So I wanted to build stuff right away because I thought, you know, I'm an, I'm an entrepreneur. I thought, I know how to do. Let's just do it. And I'm like, no, no, we need to research. So we did the largest research, as I know, uh, globally with 3,500 uh, older adults. Like, what do you think about technology? What do you have? What do you think about voice? Have you ever used voice already? And mind you, this was maybe three months into the launch of the Dutch voice uh, uh, channel in the sense that Google was available. And... 21% of the people that we surveyed had talked to a device already. And what year was this? This is 2018. December okay. 2018, yeah, we good. did this research. So we had that foundation, and on that group, we got uh, uh, we asked, okay, who wants to do an in-depth qualitative uh, survey research with us? So we got a bunch of older people, uh, 14 in total. We briefed them, gave them a smart speaker, researched with them, or we followed them. They had diaries. We did interviews. And through that, we got lots of high-quality information, like what's going on, how they perceive it, what are they missing? And this is what we do with Project Silver. So this is the basis, this is the data, the insights that we now use to open up this channel. And based on these, this, these research results, we have six um, action points uh, ranging from figuring, uh, uh, get the onboarding going because that's a major issue. How do you do Wi-Fi? How do you unpack even the, the, the nicely cartoned packaging? That was even an issue. To, to how to do entertainment specifically for this target group or, or providing access or emergency care. So these are six uh, action points that we are now promoting and getting companies like, okay, if you want to do something with your target group, which is probably dormant or you kind of missed out with your difficult mobile apps, wake come up again with this new voice channel. So we're publishing the, the report next year, uh, sorry, next week. Uh, we have a playbook coming out. So say you are, uh, uh, I don't know, Delta, mm -hmm. and uh, you want to figure out how to help that specific target. We got a free toolkit to, to, to make sure that your, your, your interface and everything else is working fine. Uh, the, the, the government is already creating services. We're, and for every action point, we're, we're instigating, if you will, projects so that, yeah, the, our, our, yeah we, we further this cause and we keep doing this. And I had asked you the other day, <laughs> which I'd love for you to answer on here, you know, how does working with the government in your country differ from the U.S.? Right. Because the U.S. can tend to be sometimes a lot slower to adoption and to doing things. Yeah, so... So that's in, so. There's lots of interesting angles that I, I, I come across with this project, and um, just one thing: this is all nonprofit. This is just just volunteer work, and uh, for everybody, or everybody pays their own time. So this is a public-private partnership, and that hardly happens. I find out, and I think because we have such an intrinsic motivation and purpose. We, we got the motor running. It's a flywheel, if you will, with the, uh, uh, the platforms getting usage in a positive angle instead of the negative PR or privacy angle. Uh, the users, of course, getting uh, good, uh, their lives better and the organizations getting more business. So regarding uh, how... Uh, the government fits into this. So in Holland, I think the government is not perceived as negative. 
even better, they are perceived as useful. Maybe some commentary on that, but overall, it's not like here in the States where you're like, oh, federal stuff, I do not want that. <laughs> what is it, the first, the second, the third amendment? I do not know how it exactly works over here. And by the way, I'm v very Dutch, so I do sound like an American, but I can talk uh, differently if you need to. But um, so here in the States, I think, so my mission is to find the constellation, the right mix of organizations that started here in the States. And it has, it will be different. And I don't know the right taste and the right parties yet. Because here, of course, the, the government, if, if it, it, it's perceived differently. And by chance, I found the only innovative civil servant with Jeroen. And I believe you're going to do a podcast with him at some point. But uh, yeah, you need to have that angle. But I don't know if that will be the key here. Yeah. And you can't force companies to to do inclusion in the voice communication space because yeah then you'll get these on ramps uh, in, in front of restaurants which sometimes are made because they really have to but they don't care because the key thing you need to make the companies care that or the organizations because then they will build the right services if they have to there's no heart in there and that's this really tricky angle that that I, yeah i'm pursuing with this and so with the older adult population that you've been working with have you gotten feedback from them how are they using project silver can right. you talk more about that yeah so what's really interesting one of the things that we got back in the research was that like i said 21 percent really talked to stuff that was for us amazing but they all see yeah, how useful it is for them, but also for others. And one of the things is like, man, the, the, the people who need it most will never get to it because it's so complicated still. Uh, overall, if you look at the use cases, everything we kind of perceive already, like uh, the, the convenience, talking to your lambs, talking to your house, um, emergency calling, reminders, all those things they see uh, was roughly two-thirds of the group were really positive. One-third had some remarks like, it doesn't understand me. Uh, why do I have to say, hey, Google all the time? Doesn't, yeah. Very, again, very natural stuff that we all know. Um, and what's one of the main things, insights that we took to heart that came out is that we should help each other. So uh, the, this group of people now um, is going to start the community which helps other older adults. So one of the big, so we have several big action points that started projects. And the biggest one is where we work on the onboarding. So Google, together with the Dutch AARP, are starting what I call a content marketing campaign. As in, in their magazine, in their media, they will create articles about smart living and stuff like that, where they explain the notion of speakers and how that works. Then you get a discount on the Dutch uh, Amazon to get the speakers. And then the support system that is delivered there is, is going to be the other older adults who are literally already are on board. As well as we have another older adult organization, a national one, called Senior Web. And they will also be trained, or they already have a volunteer IT support organization, and they will be trained on Google uh, Assistant services, if you will. That's great. So those are some insights. And if you go to www.projectsilver.com, yeah, the, the, the research will be uh, published there so everybody can get it. Because everything we do is to share, is, is to yeah, give away so you might use it. I love that. Good. So Project Silver... Com. Oh, and not with an S, with a Z. Because it's Dutch, but it's also the only domain name that was still available <laughs> in the .com space. Hey, you got to make it work. Make I it know, work. it's positioning. And if they want to connect with you, where can they can connect so with you? So I'm Dutch Cowboy on Twitter. 
lens-fitzgerald.com. By trade, I'm a voice evangelist. So I help companies onboard into this new channel from strategy, introduction, all the way to scaling. I'm having my first voice scaling company, like large corporations who have been working already for two years on this, several countries live on both platforms and how they want to even do it better. I'm helping them. So really nice. And, and they, yeah, my, my, how do you say, my heart lies in the emergence of new channels, new media. This is my fifth one after web, email, uh, mobile, augmented reality. And, and yeah, this is what I do. And I uh, you it. hear it. I'm way too enthusiastic yes! about it. <laughs> I mean, that's been the excitement of everyone I've interviewed here and on the podcast, the passion is is where everyone's leading yeah. and that's where it should be. So thank you so much, Martin, for You're being welcome. here. You're welcome. Good to be here. Good to be with you here. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Inside Voice podcast. We greatly appreciate you being a part of our community. And if you enjoyed this episode or you like the podcast, we would love it if you would subscribe, follow, like, share, leave a review of the show. If you have any questions, comments, feedback, people you want to see on the show, things you want to learn, feel free to send us an email at kerry at modev.com. That's K-E-R-I at M-O-D-E-V.com. And be sure to check us out online at voicesummit.ai. Thank you, and we look forward to chatting with you next week.